Welcome to A Canadian Investing in the U.S., a podcast and YouTube channel focused on Canadians buying real estate with host Glenn Sutherland. At the end of last episode, I mentioned that I'd be having Julie Hoffman on the podcast this week. In fact, I'm going to do the continuation of the Doug and Anna podcast. And next week, I'm going to be doing the Julie Hoffman episode. And the week after that, I have Clayton Morris, who runs the number one business podcast, according to Inc. Magazine. Uh, Welcome to another episode of A Canadian Investing in the U.S. This week, our guests, guests, this first time I've done two, is uh, Doug and Anna Scott. What would you do if you only had $10,000 to invest? And this is a very common question I get. And it's one of the attractions I get to the United States because of the low point of entry, right? Because a lot of times it's, you know, you go buy a house for 50 grand, which is not easily done in Ontario. It is possible. And there's possible to buy it with zero dollars, too. But, like, you know, for a starter, it's, it's a, it, it, you're not probably going to buy your first house with zero dollars. What, what, would, what would you advise people? I think the very first thing that um, both of, both came to mind when you said, well, what if you only had 10K to, to, to come into this? And we both said, focus on your education. You know, do what you need to do to get yourself uh, um, educated on the process. What is it specifically that you want to focus on? Is it is it flipping? Is it um, buy and holds? Is it multifamily? Is single family? What area of specialization do you want to get into with respect to the market and um, with respect to the education side of things? Spend the money, go to the meetups, become a member of some of the local meetup groups. The education, the resources, the the people, the networking, the opportunities, you will learn so much more from what other areas and, and groups have already prepared for their membership than you could learn anywhere else. Yeah, and and like you said, you're not going to be able to buy a property with the ten thousand dollars. So no, it's gonna uh, be really tough. Yeah. <laughs> how how are you gonna get in using other people's money, and and how do you become attractive? For financial uh, investors, it's being educated and and networking and getting to know them. Mm-hmm. Yep. The thing too, yeah. Yep. The other thing too is, um, so we've been money partners with uh, with several two other couples, and one of the things that uh, some of the younger folks that are can be see REI they come up with and say, you know, I'm starting out and I want to get into what would you recommend? And I said, well, you could easily be a working partner and I would love for you to be able to tell me, give me a pitch. Like what skills do you have? What can you do? Why would I get into business with you? Because that as a money partner is what I would look for is to say, like, do you have, are, are you great? Not necessarily contractor. Maybe you're not a plumber. Maybe not necessarily that you have those kinds of skills, but maybe you, you went to school, you've got project management, uh, you've got personal sales techniques, sales skills. You, you, you should have, an idea of what it is you bring to the table that would attract a financial partner and um, maybe wholesaling. Maybe that's something that you could do quite easily enough is are you great at finding the properties, getting them under contract, and then you can approach financial partners and say, hey, I've got this. You've got to be able to develop a skill that your skill is in finessing the deal, right? Yes. So if you're able to find something that anyone else, any that's, that's your talent is finding a property, getting it, negotiating such a tremendous deal that if, let's say, the listing expires or you're not able to find the money partner, anyone else would not be able to get as good of a deal in a contract as what you were able to do, right? I mean, that's the most important part of the deal is getting the deal. People always think it's like, oh, it's the money. 
there's money everywhere. There's lots of money. If you have yeah. a good enough deal, there yeah. is money. You know, it could, it'll come to you. Yeah. So that 10K you could use as a you know down payment on a, on a property to get under contract for the purposes yeah. of flipping for wholesaling. Yeah, right? I totally, I, I totally agree with the the education part because that you need the skill in order to be able to even do that. You, if you have no education, it's going to be pretty hard to do a wholesale. It's going to be pretty hard to do any of the techniques, even if you mm -hmm. want to do one of those guys to be the least to own. There's like so many different ways of doing it. But it, yeah, if you don't know, because you're, you're going to have to do an advanced technique to be able to do, mm -hmm. be putting very little down, down right? right? And so you got to right. be advanced. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the other thought is too is um, uh, being a property manager. So, um, is there something you could start doing now and uh, uh, get into a, a group and association and, and uh, manage one or two or three properties and get a sense of what it is like to actually manage a property before you get into acquiring one yourself and having to manage it yourself. Um, the the problem with property manager, I don't know about here, but in, I know in the states. You have to be a licensed realtor in order to be a property oh, okay. manager. I don't know if that's the same here. Yeah, in in uh, uh, it's different across different provinces in Canada. Yeah, uh, I understand in Alberta, yes, you do. Uh, in Ontario, apparently, you don't. Okay. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I, I figured that too because I was, I've talked to many property managers and they've never, they're they never pitched themselves mm -hmm. as being able to do a realtor stuff for me. So it, that does make right. sense. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. Yeah, um, and through associations, through uh, networking events and uh, meetups and such, you can meet the experienced uh, investors who may be looking for an apprentice or an assistant or someone who can, who better to learn from than someone who's got you know ten, twelve, thirteen, oh, yeah. twenty properties under their belt that they they're looking for some support in some way. So work with them, learn from them, and uh, uh, grow your own. Be patient, I guess, is the other thing, too. Is they got 10K burning a hole in your pocket. It's not yeah. going to be able to catch you. Uh, Patience uh, is the hardest thing, especially if you <laughs> yeah. have money. Oh, my yeah. goodness. <laughs> yeah. As soon as I get my property sold, it's going to be like... You've got plans. I put out my listing on my Facebook page. And I had, oh, yes, I saw that, yeah. Yeah, I had some comments on it about, like, oh, you should... Don't sell it. Do a lease to own, right? Then you can save the uh, realtor fees, basically. And I'm like, well, I want to get the money up front. I, I want, I want the money. And they're like, well, you'll get a down payment. And I'm like, yeah, but you know, 15 grand or whatever the down payment is. The option payment is, yeah. It doesn't change anything. Like that's not enough money to do anything. Like mm -hmm. I want, I want a hundred or 150 or 200 grand, and right. then I can go on a rampage with that. I can start buying <laughs> cash, right? right. And, yeah. 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 So anyway. Total side note, <laughs> but I know I, I see the advantages of some of those options. But the other thing about uh, lease options is, I it's almost like shiny object syndrome. I'm gonna have to go learn another technique and go do this whole thing. And like, if I just focused on what I already know, and like you know, mm -hmm. instead of going this way and then this way and then this way and then this way and just doing all these different things, I could get better if I just do one thing better right so that's the way i'm looking at it anyway yeah, and yeah, makes makes sense yeah, yeah a lot of the 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 people that we've talked to in the, the different groups that we've been going to they've all repeatedly said the message focus develop a, a, an expertise in one area and so if you're for example looking to do buying homes and you're wanting to attract money partners 
than and and or want to do wholesaling. You got to know that area, that region, that community, like the back of your hand. So you got to know uh, what's going into that market. Uh, what's the population growth in the next 10, 20 years? Why are you know you're wanting? If, if an investor says, well, why should I invest there? Why should I invest with you? You should be able to know some of the economic factors that are making that area attractive and be able to speak to that very competently and uh, confidently so that uh, you're able to, at the end of the day, persuade the investor to, because it's all about you as opposed to what product you have. It's how your ability to sell yourself and your skill set and your knowledge and your, your um yeah, people yeah. prefer to deal with people they trust and like, right? Yeah, yeah. So, that's that's whenever I was going to this down in the states the first time, you're like you're going on a limb, right? It's the first one, and in all honesty, like some of them, it's just because, like, well, the very first one I went with was because I listened to his podcast and I'd heard him do like 300 episodes or whatever, and I heard his voice, I understood what he talked about, and I I got to know, like, and trust him, right? Yeah. And uh, that's that's why I went that way. And you know what? It worked out, too, because I had a disaster on my first property where the sewer line broke after, like, owning for, like, a month. And they came in and they fixed everything. I didn't have a warranty. There was no warranty, but it was out of their, you know, they felt they were obligated to fix it because they sold me a turnkey right. property. And it should be turnkey. Right, right. Which is now, that. that's, what, that's what we're getting out of in, in the... Uh, in the meeting in November, I'm going to be talking about uh, what's after turnkey because I'm not doing that anymore. It, it, you know, it's yeah, no, it's a it's a great technique to get started and get meeting and network and get property managers and you know start to meet all the construction teams and work around. But mm -hmm. really, once you have all these pieces, you don't need to do turnkey anymore. Once you can trust contractors and you have yep. a full team down there you have title mm -hmm. companies you're working with you have the whole package you're just like i don't need to do the turnkey anymore i can mm. take that money myself right instead of that, uh, giving it to someone else do you think that having started with turnkey also helped with the financing side of things yep. to get you a kind of a solid base so that oh. you could branch out you think that may, made any difference Parts of it, yes. I think because I was talking to certain turnkey providers, it connected me with certain lenders, which uh, helped. But I could have not bought the property from them and still got connected, probably. But it was, it, it, it's a trust thing too, because you're, it's, it's more of the wild west down there for financing, right? You're not going to the big five, right? There's, you, you the, the big. The big banks in the states are not going to even talk to you. So you're talking smaller ones, and the, the smaller and smaller you get, the scarier really it is. Because <laughs> there's a lot more to, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm starting to look at, like, all these private lenders down there, and the rates are phenomenal for pri some of the private lenders. And you're like, but what well. what's the guarantee for them that I'm not a shyster? And what's the guarantee for me that they're not a shyster? Because we're like thousands of kilometers apart and we just know each other online and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there's a big trust thing yeah. to get over sure. yeah yeah no, that, that's interesting so you're going through some tremendous learnings yourself as you yeah. continue yeah and i think that's um one of the things that keeps us involved in real estate and then we want to pursue acquiring more buildings and such is because we are learning continually learning and i remember uh, one of our friends said well why, why do you want to buy an apartment building 
because it's there <laughs> because we want to learn because we want to see if we can do it and once you've acquired one then you know maybe uh, another one is yep. is not going to be so scary or, or daunting right we have a friend who um is getting into the big the bigger multis the 20 units and 40 units and and uh it's it's very fun for him and yep. i think until um and one of our friends had also said so you know how many properties is enough and and when will you stop and it's when it stops being fun when it stops being interesting when it becomes or when there's a, you know some other maybe life or health issues <coughs> that we have to make that uh, cause us to to change yep. our priorities right but right now it's um very gratifying to to acquire and grow we we've been getting underperforming properties uh sprucing them <coughs> up working together with our 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 partners um to to make the properties uh, a little more attractive uh, as turnover happens we're able to get a little bit higher rent uh, because the property is valued uh, the amenities that we're offering now are much improved over when we first acquired it so we are we are creating you know uh, continuing with safe affordable housing for people but it's also nice we're we're improving the, the quality of the surroundings and their living conditions and being able to refinance and mm -hmm. pull out some more uh, of the equity for use on the next property. Yeah, recycle also, the down payment. It's also good too. <laughs> okay, well, let's, I love that topic, the refinance, because that's one that I battle with. So when you do your refinance, do you do it from the same bank that you got the original mortgage with? Or do you go somewhere so, else? So far, actually, on our two refinances, we've gone with different, different, different institutions. Yeah. 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 And uh, interestingly enough, some banks, one bank, the people you work with in one branch are totally different in experience and skill set and knowledge than people in another branch. So we had been working with one branch in one location, and it was very evident they were not as experienced as another branch was. So. We have found that there are little nuances and, like that. And that's where going through and using a mortgage broker that has the contacts and is experienced uh, is, is the, the way to go for us mm -hmm. anyway. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, had, we can drop Claire Drange's name there again. I, yeah. <laughs> that's right. I, I, went, I went and worked with her, and it's just like, oh, so we can do this with this lender. We can do this with a second tier. We can do this with a third tier. We can do this with a fourth tier. And she understands real estate, and she knows everything, and you're just like, Boop, 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 yeah. boop. You're like here's the, here's all the different options. You're like, wow, it's like there's there's more to this than if you went to a, just a traditional bank and they're like, this is what we're offering. This is what's on the table, yeah. and okay. that, sure. then that's this is what it is. And yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's yeah. and it's interesting what your borrowing power really is. And that's I think that was something we've learned. The more it's kind of like flying. The more you fly, the better you're at, the better you feel, and the more you understand what's going on. It's the same with acquiring properties. I mean, when you, if you think back to when you first bought your first property and you had to sign that uh, offer to purchase and uh, the conditions and the legality and you know, you're sweating buckets. And uh, uh, I remember one of our very first joint uh, uh, venture property that we bought. It was four unit. We had like a two pages uh, addendum full of uh, conditions. The, unfortunately, the the, uh, the owner had uh, deferred maintenance, didn't even begin to describe his lack of, of attention to the property. So we had all these, these this needs to be repaired, this needs to be replaced, blah, blah, blah. And uh, we were able to, because of the results of the billing inspection, we were able to negotiate a significant price reduction in the offer. 
he yep. countered and uh, but and at the end of the day we still got a really good deal on that that property but to go from you know being scared and uh, the very first contract to yep. hey you know, we got to put all these in <laughs> multiple pages other addendums appendices um, that that's that's the the fun I guess of of making the deal I and you, I think maybe it's just I get more comfortable or more laid back but my first like I, I did all these Canadian properties too. But we won't get into that. But in when I first went to the States, my first property, I drove all the way down to Alabama. I went and saw the thing. I walked through the thing. I took pictures. I checked it all out. Second, third, fourth, fifth. I've never been to Kansas City in my life. I've never been to Indianapolis. I, I haven't been to these cities in my life. And right. you just, I, I don't know, you just... You get comfortable with photos and stuff. You trust the power team too, right? You trust the people you're working with or you've hired. Yeah. Um, same as us with uh, one of uh, two two properties we acquired, uh, our fifth and sixth properties, right? Yeah, last, last, we never last saw them. June, I think it was October when we finally, you know, yep. okay, well, let's yeah. go for a little visit. and right, Go take a peek. Yeah. <laughs> we did a drive-by. <laughs> yeah, get a property inspector to go through and, all right. You yeah. give me a report and I'll go through that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah. need to go all the way there. And yeah. not to say that we're not, um, you know, we're not serious about our properties and our tenants and such, but we have really good people who do that for us that we don't have to have that level of granular control type of thing, right? So we don't have to go, We they give us great reports. They tell us what's going on. They tell us about the tenants. The rapport is with them, their, um, the tenant and the our property manager, who's our joint venture partner, yep. co-venture. Um, so they keep us in the loop as to what's going on with the property. And that that in itself has been a big learning, had been a big learning for us initially, and a big um, transition, I suppose, is to, to, to release that control yep. to good people, right? So, But then your most, your most recent one is the eight unit that you have yourselves, right? No, that was our very first. That was our very, that was our first. very first one. Okay, we, on the we, other side. Yeah, we jumped, we jumped right in there, learned <laughs> learned all about the differences in commercial financing yeah. uh, versus residential and all the. So the, yeah, let's uh, let's let's touch on that. So you said, you know, you, you run buy everything through the corporation, right? Mm -hmm. So I know that means like different uh, loan to values, right? What other differences are there, or, or speak to even the loan to value? Well, it depends so, on the lender, quite so, frankly. Yeah, with the uh, with this one, it's uh, in a small uh, farming community, uh, so not a, a high priced item. Yeah. Um, the the broker actually said it'd be easier if the if the property was over half a million or a million uh, to get financing because there's not a lot of lenders that would lend in that space. And I think we ended up having to put 30% down. Yeah, we did 30%, like but in hindsight, we knew now, we, we wish we knew then what we know now and realized we didn't need to have, have a lender who put 30% down. So, uh, Yeah, maybe we could have gone somewhere else. But, yeah. uh, but one of the key things that we, we did learn about the, um, the requirements for commercial is you're paying for the appraisal explicitly. Uh, yourself, you're paying the mortgage broker their, uh, their two and a half, commissions two to two and a half uh, directly. You're you're even paying to apply for the mortgage at the oh, uh, at the yeah. institution. <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, those are big learnings. Yeah, um, we paid for the building inspection, of course, but it was a little bit higher because it was a eight yeah. unit and it's commercial property. So the ka-ching factor just kept ramping up, <laughs> and. Um, 
yeah, so I think, yeah, overall, I think oh, there was the um, environmental assessment yeah, for, that we got to do. Fortunately, that, that one, because it was just farmland before, there there wasn't anything extensive yeah, that, so that was, could have been if it was a, you know, major city that had been around for hundred yeah. and something years with maybe mm-hmm. a gas station next door that, that yeah. uh, might have leaked. Yeah. For a corporate, like some of these corporate loans, you could actually get them at like a 20% or like an 80% 80 loan to value or 20? Yeah, yeah, yeah actually, yeah. All, yeah. all of yeah. our current uh, mortgages uh, were 20% uh, down and 80% financing. Now, yeah. of course, we're personal guarantors on everything. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. the corporation was still too young to, you know, have that level of earnings that, or any earnings at that point yeah. that uh, the banks could you know, cross-reference against and say, hey, yeah, you guys make a lot of money so therefore yeah we don't need a personal guarantee but yeah we've done personal guarantees um which is it sounds like there's probably no way around it going forward either at least in ontario or canada <laughs> or until yeah. we we have uh, major earnings on in the corporation so no we're we're um going in the future as i said we're looking to acquire a couple more buildings and um we're looking at 8 to 20 unit apartment buildings now so we uh, we're fully getting into the the commercial financing side of things, and um, we're actually also we've been approached by some folks who are interested in investing with us. So we're likely going to uh, we haven't finalized the the, the corporate structure, but um, uh, the one we're gravitating towards is like a, a, a GP uh, LP, so general partnership, limited partnership type of structure yeah. where the investors are shareholders in the corporation, that type of thing. So. Um, anyway, we're learning all about that, and, and uh, uh, we're, we're actively in uh, property search mode right now. So mm-hmm. we have the uh, couple we've done joint venture with, uh, they're, they're actively looking f- with us as well. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. I will see you at the meetup. Okay. Uh, thanks so much, Glenn. Really appreciate this. And uh, um, best of luck to all the uh, investor audience members. As I mentioned at the start of the episode, I'm going to be having Julie Hoffman from Street Smart Diva on next week. And the week after that, I will be having Clayton Morris, who is the host of the Investing in Real Estate podcast, which is the number one rated uh, business podcast, according to Inc. Magazine. Thanks for tuning in, everyone.